0: to the night. Jimmy Rollins is going to try for three. Here he comes. In the air, down the right field line. Way back there. And an RBI hit by Mitchie Poole. Choose the throw to the plate. It's in the air. He is out. The 0-2 Stuck
1: out. What is going on, everyone? Welcome back to the Phillies Nation podcast. I'm your host, Ty Daubert. Coming at you with our first pod of the regular season, Phillies are three series in, four and six at this point in the season, coming off a pretty ugly series against the Miami Marlins, a team that they have struggled with at a few points in the last couple of seasons. Going to get into that, some of the, the highs and lows so far of this start. First, got to introduce my co-host, Nathan Ackerman. Nathan, how are you doing?
0: I'm doing all right. Do you want to hear a, do you want to hear a fun fact, Ty? Uh, let's hear it. So the Phils this year, as you said, they're four and six right now. Three and one with me in, in, in attendance ever since I left and flew back across the country to the other coast. They are one and five. So you can do it with that information what you will. Just thought it was notable. Thought I would let, let, the, let the people know that there's a very particular trend that this team has been following this season. <laughs>
1: So, all right, as Nathan mentioned, he was around for the beginning of the season. Philly's off to a good start after winning two of three against the A's. They get a comeback win against the Mets early on in that season. And then since that, it's been pretty rocky. They just lost three of four in Miami. As I mentioned before, they've not been good against the Marlins in I guess you can think back to 2018 where they kind of shifted into being a little more competitive again. And yeah, that that Marlins team just seems to have their number. It doesn't look like that's changing this year, despite all the additions, all the changes to the team. So Nathan, why don't we, why don't we break down that series a little bit, talk about some of the trends of the team so far, and if they're going to get things back on track, only four and six, not the end of the world, but if they're going to get, they're going to, you know, make the playoffs this year, put together a winning season. What, what has to change?
0: Yeah, I mean, well, let's just talk about, about the Marlins thing. For, I mean, it was just it was a classic Marlins four game series. Right. I mean, you know, they come out. They seem to be pretty flat. They lose the one game by one run. And I, I have to say, even when that Thursday game became a four to three game, it still felt like it was a three to four run game. Maybe it's just because of the Marlins thing. But and then they come out the next day, you know, lay an absolute dud, lose seven to one. And then it's like, okay, maybe they can k- take two and leave with a split, which would still be a failure, but like not the end of the world. They come out, they win 111 to three, something like that. And you're thinking maybe they can build on this. But that's something that this team in years past has just not been able to do. They come out and lose. I don't even remember the score of yesterday's game. Actually, maybe I had them mixed up. Yesterday it was 11 to three, Saturday it was 10 to three. Same idea. But you know, it was like they, we thought that this team would be able to out hit all of its problems. We thought that the starting pitching would be fine. Uh, Maybe they'll still be able to do those things. As we said, they're 10 games into the season, but early returns so far, uh, at least through 10 games, um, they have not been able to out hit their problems and the starting pitching has been one of those problems. So not exactly a good formula for winning the way things are going right now.
1: Yeah. Like you, like you mentioned, I think, in addition to the lineup not hitting as expected as seen in the first like two games of the season, I think that'll mostly kind of normalize where it's, we're only 10 games in Uh, Kyle Schwarber pretty quickly moved down in the lineup from the leadoff spot after a, a really slow start. But I think the hitters pretty much, they are who they are and that'll, it'll fluctuate a little bit, but for the most part, the, those like top of the order guys will will be who they are for the most part, like Schwarber and and Harper, guys like that. I, I think the glaring issue has been some of the starting pitching struggles, like you said, Aaron Nola and Zach Wheeler in a couple starts, like have not looked that great. Aaron Nola cruised for six innings on opening day, and then seventh inning, he like just like that hit a wall, gave up four runs or three runs in one inning um, on a three-run homer, kind of derailed his his start after what looked like a really a really good opening day start. Zach Wheeler, everyone knows the workload that he uh, went through last year in a really strong season. He was one of the best pitchers in all of baseball, specifically second best pitcher according to voters in National League Cy Young voting, arguably, arguably the top guy, like most innings he's ever thrown, yeah. And this year, he got a late start because of that. Needed a little bit more time to get ready. Still is on a pitch count and just has not looked very effective on Sunday. Uh, giving up a bunch of runs in Miami and his velocity is down a little bit compared to what it's been and especially what it was at last year. So I think Nola and Wheeler and Efflin, Zach Eflin got hit around in his last start too. Like the top of that rotation is – a big part of this team and they've gotten pretty good production out of Kyle Gibson so far. I don't know if that's something you can count on is Kyle Gibson just becoming like the best strikeout pitcher in Philly's history over his first two outings. I don't know if you can count on that. So I I would say that I, this is pretty obvious. They need more out of Zach Wheeler and Aaron Nola.
0: Yeah. And I mean, I I just, I have a hard time believing, look, Wheeler hasn't looked great. Obviously Uh, he's looked fine at times, but overall, you know, the Velo has been down. Everything's been down. He hasn't looked great. I have a hard time believing that Zach Wheeler is just all of a sudden the 93 mile an hour guy. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, he threw a lot of innings last year. Yeah. The workload was, was crazy, but like, he doesn't seem to be injured. Maybe it's like a dead arm thing. Maybe there's something he was obviously not, not quick to ramp up, but like that just doesn't happen to a guy that's not actually genuinely injured. And if he's not, maybe, maybe he is, maybe there's something happening behind the scenes that I don't know about obviously, or, you know, that nobody knows about apparently, because nobody's talking about it, but it's like, other than the fastball, his off speed stuff has actually looked pretty good. His command's been off obviously, but that kind of plays off the fastball stuff too. So I have to say, I'm not terribly concerned about, Wheeler about Nola, uh, probably more concern, I would say, for obvious reasons, just because the track record is not, uh, you know, the last couple of years, what uh, Wheeler's is. And we've seen kind of the same struggles that have plagued in the last year have plagued him to start the season. Right now, he sort of starts to wear down as the game goes on. Uh, and it's, it's 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 almost like with him, he gets through six innings, one run. And it's like, you know, or you at least have very strong reason to believe that the implosion is going to come. It's like, do you pull him early? Which like strategically winning the game wise might be the smartest decision, but at the same time, like that's not what Aaron Nola is supposed to be. He's supposed to be a guy who can take down seven, eight, you know, um, frames in a game from time to time. And if you just pull him, then it's like, what are you really doing? But at the same time, if he gives up three straight hits to lead off the seventh and then gives up a Homer. And then the next star he goes, what do you go, know, like three innings just didn't look good at all. It's like, you need more out of that. And I, I want at what point are you just going to get what you've been getting out of him? So concern for him is high, as far as Kyle Gibson goes, Uh yeah. Greatest strikeout pitcher whatever you just said just now. But I mean, even in his last start, you kind of, you, you, you kind of started to see it fall apart in like the fifth inning. So, um you know, one bad frame out of like, however many he's thrown this year, 16, um, not like terrible, but will that trend of him being like an ace continue? I think, you know, we both agree that that's pretty unlikely at this point.
1: Yeah. And to, to go off what you said about leaving starters in maybe a little too long with Nola on opening day, I thought that it was fine to send him back for the seventh. His pitch count was low. He Mm -hmm. was their most, he was their most stretched out starter on the team. And it was just like so quickly that things blew up it was like two straight hits and then a homer and like it just seems like his other start was just overall pretty bad but for a couple years now it just seems like just like that his starts can can be derailed and and it it makes it tough to like really know what's going to happen with him and like how to how to plan for him but at the same time I think Zach Wheeler's last start against the Marlins was also like pretty bad overall, but then he was I think he was left in a little bit too long by Joe Girardi yeah. too. When that's been a pro that's been a problem for Joe Girardi like the last two seasons. You can think of that you can think of that Nola start against um think of it the in Padres. San Diego. Yeah in San Diego yeah. where he was like clearly left in too long. And there are a couple of wheeler starts where they're just the trying Rays. to leave. Yeah, the Rays like yeah. they're just leaving Leaving their starters in too long, and I agree with what you're saying, like, especially with Nola the last two years, you have to get more from him, but then you can't like pile on top of the struggles by yeah. not doing those guys any favors when they're like they're struggling on their own, they don't need the manager, like, leaving them out to dry a little bit. It's yeah, it's like these problems, like, just piling on top of each other a little bit,
0: yeah. And I mean, I think yeah, things blew up kind of quickly in his face on opening day, but also you have to be able to toe that line and know that, no, you probably don't pull him before the seventh inning even starts, but once he's given up those two hits and leaving everything over the middle of the plate, the curveball's not, doesn't have the same bite. Like you got to get him out of the game. And quite, quite frankly, it's like the, the, the manager's job, especially with the uh, DH right now, it's like, you have, you have to manage the bullpen. You have to know when to give guys days off. You have to make the lineup and you have to pull the starter at the right times. It's like, those are your four most important tasks. And like, they're really the main things that you even have to do over the course of a ball game. And if you don't know, like when to let a guy work out of his own mess or when to pull him, because it doesn't seem like that's going to happen just based on the way he looks like you have to notice the warning signs as to when that, implosion is going to come. And maybe it was because they were up six to one. He was like, I'll I'll leave him out there and see what he can do. And then once he got the homer, then he's done. But like, you just have to have a shorter leash with that when you know that this is, has has been a consistent theme over the last several years that he looks fine. And then he doesn't, it's like, you just need to know when that's going to happen. And there's been no awareness on, uh, you know, Girardi's part as to, when you just need to get him out of the game, so yeah, it's I I don't want to put the blame solely on him because like at some point you got to pitch seven innings and you got to just figure it out. I mean, it's easier said than done, I guess, especially for me, who's you know, but like it, it's there. There's there's got you be have to know to take. you have
1: to know what Aaron Nola has been for the last yeah. like a little over a year now. Like this is the guy he is. He's had four and a half ERA last season. These blowups like. Happened a bunch, like yeah, you and, have to be then, able to help prevent them.
0: Right. And then what once, once he starts to prove that this isn't going to be a thing, like maybe he pitches seven innings and gets through the seventh one, two, three. Then when he starts getting into trouble in that part of the game in future starts, you can let him work out of it because you're like, maybe there's something there. But at this point, there's not. There's been nothing there. You I i don't I don't get it. Uh that game shouldn't have been as close as it as it was. Obviously, that was like a week and a half ago now, so we don't need to talk about it too much, but and then the start since then was what it was. It was just not good at any point in that game. So yeah, it kind of an enigma there that they're gonna to have to figure out because we've talked about how important he is and Wheeler too. If we were you were kind of saying before we started potting that like if Wheeler if this is Wheeler like they're they're not gonna be good, which no, they're not pretty pretty cut and dry there. So
1: yeah. yeah. You, you said before that's one of like the few managerial decisions to be made now with a designated hitter in the NL. And then one of the others is um, platoons deciding who gets days off when. So I guess we got to get into that. The left side of just all of their infield pretty much has been shuffled around a little bit, especially you add in Gene Segura getting banged up on a hit by pitch. So but mostly to start the year, it looked like it was going to be a shortstop and third, bla- third base platoon a little bit. With Didi Gregorius getting most of the playing time at shortstop, and then Johan Camargo, Bryson Stott, and Alec Boehm all kind of playing third base a little bit. And then Segura getting hurt um, opened up some second base time. Uh, but those guys in the infield have been shuffled around, like I mentioned, and. Alec Boehm has been the odd man out a bunch of times, but then in his starts at the plate, just in general, his time at the plate has been good to start the year defensively uh, by this point, everybody knows what the story is. Um, But yeah, what do you think of just kind of the situation going on in the infield, how they're making time for all of these players and how long is it going to take to like, just kind of set a guy into the lineup every day?
0: Yeah, I mean, he, Girardi was adamant before the season that there would be enough guys. There there, there would be enough opportunities to give everybody enough at-bats. Um, I think everyone was kind of skeptical about that because there's just so many guys and not enough spots there. Uh, and I think that skepticism has been proven correct. I mean, it, at, at the start of the season, it was like, boom we know what the defensive struggles are and he's not really giving much at the plate to, you know, make up for that. I guess I'm talking more so spring training cause he's been hitting all, all season, but like when those three errors happened, we didn't know that bone was like going to keep on hitting 750 or 800 or whatever it is right now. And so it was like, yeah, if he's not giving you anything in the field, he's giving you like nothing in the field. Um, nothing good. At least that is, I guess he's giving you plenty of other stuff, but, and he's not going to out hit that, that, Concerned, like why is he in the game but now it's like the guy's hitting 636 a so 1.406 ops and you're not really getting much from any of the other guys there i guess camargo's like been okay although now he's, oh, he's, he's
1: been pretty good
0: yeah yeah he's been good and especially with the glove there but yeah it's like at some point it's i mean like even in the most obvious spots it's like there's a lefty on the mound stotts mired in a 0 for 10 and he just had a golden sombrero platinum sombrero and it's like, bohm has got to play, and he just doesn't play. And the, the the thing I don't get is they keep on asking uh, uh, Joe about that. And, and it's like, when is Alec Bohm going to play third base? And I know he got into the game late yesterday and, like, you know, played a few innings there. But when is he going to start at third base? And he keeps on saying, like, oh, it's getting really close. Like, we're getting really close to that point. Like, what does that mean? Like, are they waiting for him to all of a sudden turn into some defensive wizard, and then they're going to be comfortable putting him there? It's like, what... What are getting close to? What is the process there? Because it seems like you'd want to get him into games as soon as possible, rather than like waiting until they're at the perfect point, which I don't understand. That what that, that even just refers feels to
1: that just feels like a it's, thing that made. you remember last year? Girardi had like kind of a little bit of an outburst when people were asking like who was available and who was going to yeah. play. And yeah. they said it like, they're not going to give away their advantage. And it's like, I don't, I don't see what advantage you're getting by telling people Alec Bohm's going to be playing the position of third base. I think you're still at the same disadvantage with him <laughs> playing the field. If it was a surprise, but um, yeah, that's just, that just seems like a, a Girardi thing. It's going to be one of the realities with him as the manager. And, and like you said, like Bohm has hit well in his opportunities and he's also played poorly in the field in his opportunities. But if he's going to hit like that, like they have to have his bat in the lineup. What more when other guys are struggling, like some of them are, um, Schwarber, like I mentioned, Harper a little better recently, but kind of still like a slow start to the year. Um, I think like part of the issue is this is all just like speculation and reading tea leaves and stuff like that. But I think you can like tell from last year and you can even tell from that game against the Mets where all those fielding problems um, really showed up for Boehm that like he is a player where confidence like is a big factor. And they're trying to really pick their spots for him to succeed at the plate. So like some of the failures don't carry over in other parts.
0: Yeah, but, like, he's been thrown into, at the plate, he's been thrown into pretty much every situation this year. Late game, early game, lefty, righty. And he succeeded in all of them. So, if if anything, like, maybe you put him at the plate as much as possible, let him continue to succeed rather than cool off and, you know, not have that source of confidence that could maybe translate over to the field. And then if he starts hitting, if he continues to hit well, maybe that, like, historically bad defense just becomes, like, really terrible. <laughs> you know, and not historically bad. And maybe it's something that's even passable. Okay. It's not, it's never going to be passable, but yeah, I mean, you get, you get what I'm saying. It's like, if you, if you want to ride the confidence, as long as you possibly can, the last thing I want him to, to do is cool off there. Cause then maybe you have, you know, horrible in the field and nothing at the plate too. I, I know it's like, it's, it, it's probably not what's going to happen. Like boom's not going to turn into some guy who just can't hit now because he just looks so good right now, unless you know, maybe later in the season, blah, blah, blah. But right now, it's like, if you know how, you know, influenced by confidence Alec Bohm is, and he's hitting as well as he's hitting right now, it seems to make a lot of sense to put him in the baseball game, at least from yeah, my perspective. I would agree. <laughs> I, I don't I, get it.
1: I think, like, part of all of this calculus is, like, Seemingly, their loyalty to Didier Gregorius, despite not really playing well since the start of last season. And they're, like, penciling him in at shortstop every day, despite him being one of the worst defensive shortstops in baseball. And he's also not been good at the plate. And then they're yeah. moving everything else around, like, to accommodate for Didier, even though he's, like, just not been good.
0: Yeah. And, and, and I mean, there was there was reason to – Like, I I don't think him starting at short, especially with the bats that they acquired over the offseason, like him starting at short on opening day was not the end of the world. Because I think you had you had you had reason to believe that he couldn't be couldn't possibly be as bad as he was in 2021. And then you had a good spring training to build off of and be like, maybe it's good. This is going to be okay. But now, yeah, it's only 10 games, but he's looked just as bad as he looked last year. Now you have more than just last year's sort of sample size to work with. you have this year too, and it's just not getting any better in the field. It's not getting any better either. It's maybe it's the contract, maybe it's the former Yankee thing. I, I don't know what it is, but yeah, and he's uh, just you know
1: he's just always been a guy where he's never hit the ball hard. He's never had a particularly good eye, never been a huge walk guy really but what he could always do was pull fly balls for home runs. And he's, he hasn't done it in two years. He just hasn't lifted the ball over the fence in, in two years, since two, since 2020, where he was really good in the shortened season. But if he's not going to pull home runs for you, like he's not going to play defense. He's not going to spray the ball around. Like he's never pulled a home run or he's never hit it. He's only pulled home runs. Like he doesn't hit the ball to the opposite field. Like, unless Didi Gregorius is hitting home runs and like some doubles for you to the pool side, he is not going to be a productive player and they are treating him like he is a productive player right now.
0: Yeah. I mean, I just, I don't get the philosophy with him or with boom because it's like, are are you going, are you, are you fully committing to the ball go boom offense thing? Like defense be damn doesn't matter because if so, doesn't seem like that's what they're doing with boom. That would seem to be something that would incline them to play him. And then with Didi, it's like, okay, you have the bad defense, but he's not compensating for it with great offense. And I know like the other shortstop, like Stott's been kind of down the last couple of games. So I don't know if that's like a huge upgrade there, but over the long term, it probably would be just because of the kind of hitter that he can be and the kind of hitter that uh, Gregorius has shown. Yeah, and if if neither neither of them are going to hit, like at
1: least Stott's going to play a better shortstop.
0: Exactly, Yeah. yeah. I, I don't get it. It's I guess it's the veteran thing that it's like you trust the experience. Not that that's a good reason, but that apparently is the reason that keeps on being thrown out there. So I I don't know. It it seems like mismanagement on Girardi's part. Do, do I, you I think
1: Do you think he's benched anytime soon? Like, what do you think is the solution there, or not? What you would do? Like, what do you think is their solution that they end up with in the next couple of weeks? If you know, assume that DD is just like kind of the same guy he's been for two years now.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, I guess the question is how much is it Girardi and how much is it Dave Dombrowski? Uh, Cause if it's Girardi and he has some huge saying it, it's like, he's probably going to at least stay with the team, get a couple starts every now and then if not start every day, if it's Dombrowski, maybe there's a little bit more like objectively, like throughout the contract, what you're paying him, everything, like objectively, this is not a, a guy that should be in the starting lineup every day. And, you know, CFA, triple a, like whatever the case might be. So it's like, there's, there's gotta be something that, that changes here. I don't really see that happening anytime soon uh, just because it's probably a lot of what Girardi thinks. And, you know, he's going to have a pretty big voice there and he's, you know, we know how he feels about his former players and the veterans and things like that. But if it starts, if, if it continues to be this bad, maybe not because there's almost no more justifying it.
1: So maybe, so so here if dd is going to keep hitting like this or like he did last year if you want to end up DFAing him like could you just put ronald torreyes back on the 40 man and like it makes everyone happy Girardi gets one of his guys back on the 40 man He if they probably like had close to the same offensive production last year and torreyes yeah. is much better in the field like i don't know man. it's sure seems like a better use of a 40 man spot at this point or at least an equal use
0: i guess i Uh, guess
1: your hope your, your hope is like two years ago and it was shortened but Didi was hurt and then he got healthy and he was good in 2020 and then last year he was also hurt i think like maybe you give it four to six more weeks to see if like he can just get back on track because if he does if he's gonna hit homers for you like it's really valuable but I don't I don't know if I see it happening
0: yeah but it shouldn't come at the cost of Bones playing time you know like if if that's what has to give then maybe or, or stop like even conducting. Camargo or Stott, yeah. yeah Like Camargo
1: the the only time Camargo he's be- had injuries and then Atlanta like brought in Josh Donaldson and the emergence of Austin Riley like they he just didn't have much opportunity due to injury and that stuff but the only time he was ever like close to a full-time starter i think it was 2018 like he had an over 800 ops with me he's a good fielder yeah. at third base like he's probably overall if he's healthy a better player than Didi right now i think he yeah was a, he was an underrated pickup by the way he's he's pretty good
0: yeah he's been amazing in the in the, in the field like the really the only guy on the left side of the infield except bryson stott where you're like
1: and even he like even, of even stott's been fine yeah,
0: yeah it's it's not like yeah he had the opening day thing where he had like two errors in one inning or something like that but yeah, I mean, if you're looking at objective options on the left side of the infield, like Camargo and Boehm are two guys that should be playing there way more than Didi for sure. So I, I don't know.
1: If you had to guess, if, if you had to guess, does Didi get DFA'd by the end of the season or sent down?
0: Yeah. Yeah, probably DFA'd.
1: Yeah. I don't think they would send him down to triple A no, like I at, don't at this either. point in his career. And I think that's fine. Like maybe a change of scenery a little bit would help him put him. He's probably not going to find like a much better ballpark to hit in unless the Yankees are really getting desperate uh, for, for a middle infielder or something. But yeah, I think that's probably what they would do then rather rather than bury him in uh, in Lehigh Valley. But yeah i don't i don't know it's it's a tough it's kind of a tough puzzle to solve a little bit because they do have like a couple options over there and i don't know exactly what the uh the right answer is
0: yeah and they've been doing a lot of tinkering with you know configurations and where to put guys and where to do the lineup we talked about the schwarber thing uh real muto in the leadoff spot now i guess uh so you know maybe it's just something that they experiment harper in the two maybe it's just something that they experiment with and you know, it's the first 10 games of the season kind of thing. Like it, it isn't like it's already June and it's like, yeah, I mean, you know, they're, they're four and six. So if this trend continues, something's probably going to change, but like to make the case that they should have DFA DD already at this point, like you can make it, but I don't know. It's, it is 10 games.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I would agree. And so the Phillies, after this, this kind of a struggle in Miami, they move on for a series in Colorado Aaron Nola starts we're recording this on Monday he starts tonight um any thoughts for this series do you have
0: ball go boom for both teams I guess I don't know gonna be a lot of homers it it would seem like something that if the Phillies want to spark the offense in any way like this is a good time to do that so um you know I mean obviously Nola at Coors uh you know, the home run problems that he's had will definitely be something to watch.
1: Yeah. When you're Um, in need, when you're in need of a bounce back start from a guy, I don't think Coors Park is like the exact place you want him to be starting.
0: Yeah. And I mean, especially with, you know, I mean, people have talked about, well, they just got done playing four games in Miami, but at least they're going to a place where things always tend to go well, which is Coors Field, which is probably (laughs) like the second number two on the like, you know, uh like house of horrors hierarchy power rankings for the for the Phillies in years past so yeah should be fun I don't know two out of three one out of three mostly
1: yeah so any anything else you wanted to touch on whether it's a a guy that you thought has been pretty good or somebody you think could use some improvement that you think might be able to improve just anybody anybody else sticking out that you want to touch on before we wrap up (laughs)
0: Should we get into Harper Schwarber and sort of the struggles that they've had recently? I mean, we, we sort of alluded to the lineup stuff. They moved Schwarber down to five after he got the day off yesterday or Saturday. Um, And they moved Harper up to the, to the two hole and Sunday, if it was nothing else, you know, if it was not, well, I mean, they lost 11 to three and they lost their third out of four games against the Marlins, but Schwarber went two for four with a fairly long homer. Harper went three for five with a double and a homer like if nothing else maybe this is the kind of thing that sparks those guys um, because if you know obviously we talked about the starting pitching if that's not going to improve this team's not going to be very good if Harper and Schwarber don't heat up soon they're going to lose a lot of games this month if the starting pitching doesn't figure things out i don't think Harper is going to like struggle all season the way that he has to this point i don't think Schwarber will either but you know it would be a good time now using sunday in uh Miami and then now going to Coors Field uh it would be a good time for them to heat up but what do you what 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 do you think about the whole lineup stuff because like one of the reasons they signed Schwarber was to be that leadoff presence where he's going to hit a bunch of homers even when he's cold he's going to draw walks he's going to find ways to get on base all those kinds of things And now in the 10th game of the season, like he was in the five hole and Real Muto was hitting in the leadoff spot, which, by the way, can we just talk about the fact that he went four for four on uh, Thursday, sat on Friday, and then went uh, like 0 for four, 0 for five with four strikeouts on Sunday and also did not look good on Saturday either. So, I don't know, maybe you find a way to keep the guy who went four for four and has been your only offense at that point. Uh, in the lineup at DH or whatever the case might be. But anyway, we don't need to get too much into that. He's hitting leadoff now, I guess.
1: Yeah, he's not like my ideal fit for leadoff, I would say. They had him leading off some like in 2020 or leading up to 2020, I think, during that spring training. I think they kind of had plans for him to lead off. And then, oh, yeah, but and then the season got pushed back and Kutch came back because the season started during the summer. So that's that's why he didn't lead off. But they've kind of toyed with this idea of Real Muto uh, in the one hole before. I don't love it. He's just like not a huge on-base guy, where Schwarber historically has been, at least last year, like a pretty big walks guy. I've been on the Reese Hoskins for a lead-off train for yeah. a long time now. But it's not the end of the world. Like, Real Muto will get you a good at-bat. And I would think if if Schwarber heats up for, like, two weeks, they probably move him back up again. So I, it yeah, isn't how I would set up the probably. lineup, but I don't think it's the end of the world.
0: Yeah, and I think it's just more of the lineup tinkering and see what works, kind of throw stuff at the wall and see what sticks um, in this early part of the season. But, yeah, I would I would agree with you that, like, Schwarz will find himself back in the leadoff spot at some point. If if they're gonna go with somebody else in the leadoff spot, I'm with you that it should be Hoskins. He's more of an on-base guy. Um, more powerful. Or even
1: Harper. Like... like, I know in the past, like I think Kapler tried it a couple times, and they did it in Washington a few times. Like, if the lineup needs a boost a little bit, just like put Harper there once in a while, he can draw walks. It's just like there's not a huge difference between lineup positions. Really, yeah. yeah, it's just I think they're just c- c- trying to try something different to give them a little bit of a jump.
0: Yeah, I don't think that's like the root of their problems right now. I think the root of their problems is that they've been forced to do it in the first place because Kyle Schwarber was in a one for 28, which I don't think that'll continue either. I think he's a good hitter, uh, and I think Harper, you know, I mean, we saw just yesterday that like he can always pull a three for five with a double and homer out from anywhere, so.
1: Yeah, I'm, exactly. I'm not
0: terribly concerned about them, but Blano's got to start hitting because if they're not going to pitch and they're not going to hit, they're certainly not going to field. The bullpen's <laughs> been okay, I guess. So like one out of four phases of the game has been fine to this yeah.
1: point. <laughs> Last note, um, they haven't gotten much out of the center field spot. Matt Vierling, kind of a rough start yeah. to um, to the season. Muziazzi Muziati has gotten some starts out there. He's been good in the field, but still not like, much of much of a hitter at this point at the major league level. It seems like Oduble Herrera could be back from injury relatively soon. Mickey Moniak still dealing with the broken hand, but Herrera is starting a rehab assignment this week in Lehigh Valley, I believe. And Roman Quinn, he's down there in triple a, he had a lead off Homer the other day for the iron pigs. They picked him back up because he was designated for assignment or cut or whatever from the Marlins so they have a couple options, I guess, if center field gets really desperate, but Herrera is probably the option for most of this season, I would say. So we'll see how long that takes. Not that Herrera is yeah, and- the perfect option, but he's better than what they have gotten this year so far.
0: Yeah. And and I, I will say the early season stuff, I think Muziati's upside in the field alone has been like worth putting him in that spot. I don't really buy the whole yearling um, has hit into some bad luck kind of thing because, you know, everything's into the ground and he's been, he's been hitting more the last, last couple games. He had a double a few days ago and a single, like off the bench, I think in the like ninth inning of Saturday's game, it might've been. Yeah. The one, the one where they won Uh, that was his first hit in 16 at bats So like I'm not huge on Virling's bat. I know that the team was really big on him coming into the season. I'm not like down on it. Like it's Matt Virling in the nine spot is not like what's going to sink this team this year. Uh, and then Muziati with the with the glove and Virling's played passable defense too. So I like the center field situation has been good. Sorry, has not been great. Uh, it's it was it's been better than it was last year. Um, That's not, not getting so much. It. No, that is not saying much at all. But that, coupled with the fact that you're getting some upside with the glove and that they're in the ninth spot now in the lineup, theoretically around them should be hitting, like, I don't think it's a huge problem, um, you know, at least through 10 games.
1: All right, before we wrap up a little bit, now that I just mentioned that center field situation and we talked about leadoff, I just have – a I have a prediction or a take When Herrera gets back, I predict that he'll be the leadoff hitter if they're still struggling and like Schwarber is not moved back up. I don't know if it's the right option. I I I could see he just he had a
0: 278 OBP last year.
1: Yeah, when he's on a heater, like it works. So if he comes, if he's hitting well in Triple A and he comes up, um, I my guess is that he will lead off if they're still looking for a little bit of an answer there.
0: Yeah, maybe, but. That'll still probably be what April. He'll be back this month at some point. It's like, hey, you have a guy, you you have a guy like Schwarber who profiles so well out of out of the leadoff spot. I think he's earned himself a longer leash than he's been given to this. Yeah, I don't. uh, I'm surprised they
1: moved him down this early. Yeah,
0: Yeah, the only the only somewhat compelling thing I've heard is that they want to they want to put Harper and Schwarber three spots apart so that you can't put a lefty in and just mix and match with them late in games. Which, like, I guess. But yeah. if you're just looking objectively at the leadoff spot, like Kyle Schwarber's the best option there. I, I don't think it's particularly close. Yep,
1: I agree. All right, I think that'll do it for this episode. Unless you have anything to add,
0: I don't. I don't.
1: All right, Phillies, they take on the Colorado Rockies, and they could re- really use this uh, a win in this series. So Aaron Nola tonight on the mound. We'll see how it goes. Thank you everyone for listening. We'll talk to you next time.